Welcome to the HR Tech Spotlight Podcast. I'm Deanna Shimoda, CEO of Growth Mode Marketing. The HR technology market is crowded, and we know it can be hard to find the best software solutions for your business in the sea of sameness. On this podcast, we shine a spotlight on some of the best up-and-coming technology options out there. Check it out if you are interested in learning about new innovative solutions available in the market. And if you are with an HR tech company and interested in being considered for a guest spot, stay tuned for details at the end of the show. Welcome to another episode of the HR Tech Spotlight. Today, we are shining a spotlight on human intelligence, an HR enterprise software solution like Grammarly. But instead of tips for writing, they serve as tips for improved team collaboration, email communication, and meeting effectiveness. My guest is Juan Battencourt. Not only is he CEO of Human Intelligence, he was also recently named a top 30 HR tech influencer by Recuti and a top 100 HR tech influencer by HR Executive. It's great to have you on the show, Juan. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. So let's start out with the basics. Tell us about your background and how you got into the HR tech space. Yeah, so... I'm a Cuban American from Maryland area, grew up that region, Mid-Atlantic, and then went to Harvard, went to Wharton, uh, 15 years doing general management leadership stuff with Procter & Gamble, Reebok, Puma, worked in software at Siebel Systems, um, and the big sports retailer, kind of like Dick's Sporting Goods, but it's a company much bigger than Dick's, uh, called Decathlon out of France, spent probably 14 years outside the U.S. I speak five languages like English, managed over 30,000 people in France, uh, was CEO of a $500 million company or division of a larger group. Um, and then my second career was uh, in purely in human capital management advisory. I was the youngest partner at Hydric and Struggles and then became a partner at Corn Ferry and then launched my own search firm uh, where I was focused on private equity firms, helping them find uh, executives in their portfolio companies. That was about 25 years and the last seven years um, have been launching uh, human intelligence uh, and HR tech uh, solution. And let's talk about human intelligence. Uh, you know, what does your company do? What does the platform do? How do uh, how does it work for organizations? Yeah, so everyone knows uh, personality tests, right? Um, they've been around for 40 years and Many companies use them, especially large ones for development, talent management, development. Um, but they're usually a one and done, right? You you give it and you do a workshop, costs $20,000. But three months later, that executive and that executive team or that group probably doesn't remember more than 10%. And maybe they put colors on their wall, but now they're distributed or hybrid. So you're not seeing the physical colors on the wall. So we took that concept where there's definitely value in personality tests that every major company uh, with a thousand employees or more knows. Um, but just with COVID, when there was this challenge of people going remote and hybrid, how do you manage teams that are distributed, all these knowledge workers that don't see each other with generational differences? And so we thought, wow, all those tips and things that are great in a meeting, if you can now surface them and combine some neat general AI which helps kind of filter all the tips into the ones that are specific for you and surface them like Grammarly um, in your email when you're writing an email or in a calendar invite to make the meeting more uh, effective and give everybody an insight as the team dynamics and 
what the leader or the person who you're trying to influence likes to work, uh, as well as in Microsoft Teams and Slack. If you can do that, then you really do improve human connection um, and effectiveness in the email communication. So imagine, you know, Accenture is our client, 700,000 people. Imagine pulling up an email to your uh, somebody at Accenture that you're welcoming to the team and you click on our button in your email and right there it says how to motivate this person. They want real detail on what expectations you have. So maybe put in the five deliverables and specifics. Um, you're uh, about to send an email at Coca-Cola, another client of ours, to someone for a ma major proposal that you, you want them to approve and your job and your career you think depends on it. And so you click on our button and in that case, and it'll tell you that this person doesn't like a lot of information. Just put a couple of bullet points. Um, it says that this person doesn't like an authoritarian attitude. So instead of telling them you'd like their feedback by Friday, ask them by when. And so in the next generative AI version of that email tool is you write your email and generative AI, you push our button, it rewrites it for you. And if you have five people on the distribution list, five versions go out to those people to, to optimize how they read that email. Most people don't know that 32% emails are misunderstood at a company, um, and that costs about $12,000 per employee per year. Wow. So I looked at videos on your website, and I think it is a pretty cool technology, you know, to be able to understand people's different personalities. I mean, I know, like, for me, I'm a very direct person. That doesn't come across really well for someone that's on the opposite end of the spectrum. And being able to understand, like, this is a person who wants a lot of detail. And this is a person that just needs the high level synopsis. I can imagine how powerful that is if at your fingertips, no matter who in the company you're communicating with or about to meet with, that you can have that perspective to kind of change your approach and adjust it so that you don't, you know, cause unintentional friction because your approach doesn't jive with other people out there, right? Correct. And that that reduction of friction is actually, it's funny you say that, that's how we present it to our clients. Um, you know, it's constant friction because of personality styles. We reduce that throughout a company and every company that buys today a behavioral tool like predictive index or strength finders or MBTI or DISC, they all understand that these tools are powerful, but they're not really realizing the, the effect or what could happen with those tools they're not integrated into current workflows and nobody's going to take time to go look up something in the middle of an email. Nobody's going to take time to look up something right before they jump on Microsoft Teams or go into Slack. We deliver it right in those profiles. Um, motivators or values, which is like Hogan or Lominger, you know, those are usually 45 minutes to an hour with 40 page output. You're not going to get that insight at employees other than the top 10 execs or top 100 of a 500,000 person company. Um, we are able to deliver insights around BMW, that's the framework, behaviors, which is 90% of the tools, motivators, which is the other 10%. But unlike other assessment tools, we even measure more in our short 10 minutes. We measure work styles, which is how does the, and work energizers, how does the environment and the people around you give energy or take it away? And so in 10 minutes, we measure what nobody can do in an hour and we deliver it like Grammarly in your workflow. There's no tool on the planet that does that. Um, and it really does unleash more human connection, better team collaboration and performance at scale in like a couple of days. That would take DISC or Predictive Index or any other existing tool 100 years to get 5,000 people using <laughs> it that way every day.
Right. It, you know, it, it helps you be more likable with your coworkers, right? <laughs> it does. Every, every, you know, we, all the, the surveys we do in our tool and our platform, you know, 90% of people believe that their boss subordinate relationship improves, that their team collaboration improves, and that engagement for that team and for the company when you aggregate it improves. So this is, you know, once you have an engagement survey and it shows there's issues, come use this to improve it all. This is the solution yeah. to uh, making engagement surveys actionable. Yeah. So you have a very cool technology. What is the story behind founding? human intelligence like what was the catalyst that made you think this is the route we want to go yeah so i i spent these 15 years working in different countries across multiple offices so procter and gamble we constantly i was working in puerto rico in the u.s and as a brand manager you're constantly sending um and uh your your results and your your advertising campaign summaries around the world and also people are, you're asking people for help. And so there's this kind of best case approach of learning that I was instantly at the age of 22 to 26 exposed to how different cultures were around the world and communication styles and what it was actually. And P&G, Procter & Gamble did a great job in exposing you to that. Um, and there wasn't really a tool to help you, right? They, they did culture training where you're gonna talk to France, this is the way French people are. You're gonna talk to China, Looking back, it's a joke. I mean, to say that all French people think and work the same way is like saying all Americans think and work the same way. <laughs> you got to be kidding me, right? So that was the first kind of like cross like distributed experience. And then, you know, working at Puma in Germany and then around the world, same thing. Uh, then Decathlon working around the world. I worked in Brazil. I worked in Dubai. I worked in Germany, France, five languages. I realized, oh my gosh, all these major companies, you know, communication and collaboration across offices is really tough, right? And that was my first half of my career. And then I became a headhunter where I realized that my magic, and I became one of the top recruiters in the country. I was even invited onto uh, The Apprentice with Donald Trump to replace George <laughs> and to tell Donald Trump who to hire and fire. Who would have known this guy would have been president? But at the time, back in 2010, um, you know, I was seen as the the best recruiter in the country, right? And and my magic wasn't so much finding resumes and matching skills; it was understanding where will there be friction between candidate and and CEO or candidate and rest of team. That understanding that I just had in an innate way, I knew you can't train. Um, so are there tools out there? And that's second half of my career at the end of that 15 years as a headhunter. I was like looking for a tool that could help scale me. How can I scale that match so I could do it in, on mass? And so the first iteration of human intelligence was actually, I found a psychometric tool that measured all these things in the shortest time. So quickly I could get hundreds, thousands of people to take it. Companies wouldn't worry about giving it because it wasn't too cumbersome. And then we would use it to hire better for, for executive teams and the masses at scale. Did that for three, four years. It was great. The tool proved out to be the best in the market. However, COVID came and COVID demolished any products that were about recruiting. <laughs> Nobody was going to recruit. So we lost all of our revenue. But then all the clients said, Juan, can you use that psychometric tool, all the, the interview questions and all the insights you guys provide? That would be great for actually existing employees to just work better together. And so I thought about all those years of all the distributed work I had done across countries and offices. And I'm like, oh my gosh, COVID's great for this business. If I can build the tool and morph it into a collaboration tool, 
that solves this problem of, of distributed collaboration. So I don't really say remote or hybrid anymore. I think you could be back to work across 15 offices and a thousand employees. If you don't know those people, it doesn't matter that you're quote back to work, you're distributed. And so I looked up into it and there's a million, 1.2 million companies that have a thousand employees across offices and or countries. That is where my experience came from, where I knew I could develop a solution to really crack that vessel. And it's been great. Yeah. So what would you say is the big challenge or problem that you see HR departments facing today? Well, a lot of them talk about engagement, right? Engagement for several reasons. One, the whole COVID going remote and then asking people to go hybrid and now <laughs> back to work. I mean, how do you get people engaged when they just experience 12 hours of life again every week, right? The one hour commute each way, five uh, days a week, that's 10 hours plus another two or three hours that they were wasting. They can now do all their same work and, and have more of a life. To tell them to give that up is hard once you've taken a bite out of the apple. So engagement's gone down for that reason. Engagement's gone down because of um, generational differences. Right, the 55 year old, you know, I'm, I'm almost 55. The 55 year old and the 22 year old, they use different tools to communicate, different styles to communicate. Um, uh, it, it just employees are no longer feeling like the, the uh, uh, an assembly line uh, uh, resource. The balance of power between company and employee is no longer one way, it should be an equal. Uh, thing and that is really putting a strain on engagement. So, so that's hurting collaboration. Is is what for about two years, team collaboration was the number one search search on on SEO uh, when you did the research in Google by heads of HR. Because how do you get? And this is for larger companies, but you get to a thousand people and more. The critical success of that company is how do you get the middle management and how do you get teams to work cross-functionally because it becomes less about the individual when you're a thousand people or more and becomes more about teams and multiple teams and getting the most out of those teams quickly. And so that is a real challenge when people are in different offices and companies becoming much more cross-functional, much more cross-office, more complex. And so having teams on demand and managing those teams and leading those teams is not easy. And so th those are the the things, you know, the biggest elephant in the room is sourcing candidates, right? Today, everybody wants to get paid a ton of money. People can get a job anywhere. So, you know, I'm no longer restricted in my own city to get a job. I can get a job anywhere. So it makes it harder for companies to find the candidate. You would think it's easier because they can search anywhere in the country, but the people that they had working for them now can go and find a job anywhere. So there's this revolving door uh, which is just hard for both companies and candidates. It's it's kind of like the New York dating scene. There's so much opportunity out there. <laughs> Nobody ever gets married in New York. And today, 75% of New Yorkers in Manhattan are single. No other city has more than 21% single that live alone. So it's the, the, the job world of sourcing candidates, finding a match is like the New York dating scene, which is really miserable after the age of 40. <laughs> that that's a great analogy. And I think it's it's a tough time to be in HR. You know, there's been a lot of challenges, especially in the last few years that have been thrown at them. That's like, hey, can you make sure our employees are happy? Can you make sure that they stay for a long term? Can you make sure that we're not, you know, spending so much on new employees coming in that we can't afford to take care of our existing it, it, employees? Like it's it's a challenging time. 
I would say the HR function is the most complex function of all the functions. The only other one that's gone through massive change is marketing. Marketing used to be about branding. And over the last 15 years, it's become demand gen. But everyone's so overwhelmed with digital marketing that now how do you cut mm -hmm. through that? So I think marketing is also really tough. How do you get in front of someone these days that has no time for anything and can block any message they don't want to hear? So I think HR right. and marketing are the two most complex functions. Finance, I used to place finance executives. Finance hasn't changed tremendously, right? Supply chain changed a ton when tech hit in the 2000, 2010. But you know, a lot of those systems now do everything for you. And now generative AI is going to make it even easier. So you know, whereas I think generative AI makes HR really complicated. <laughs> Yeah, uh -huh. for so. sure. And, and it's definitely a rising star. I mean, the the AI is kind of popping up in a lot of technologies now. So as you think about human intelligence, what would you say is your company's unique point of view in the market? Like our differentiator versus other products? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of solutions out there, right, that one could argue are created for collaboration and engaging employees, things like that. And, and whether you're a direct competitor with them or not, oftentimes, you know, HR leaders and finance leaders are evaluating your solution against those other options. Like, how do you position it? You know, why choose yeah. human intelligence versus someone else? Yeah, so... I won't name it, but there's only one other company that does exactly what we do, um, and we've never lost to them. Uh, they just aren't able to enter. They don't have their own assessment, so they can't integrate to the workflow of the, of the employee. So when I say we're an assessment meets Grammarly in the workflows, now meets generative AI, they don't have the Grammarly workflow component, and they definitely don't have the generative AI component. They never can do those two. Um, but they have a lot more marketing money than us, so they're probably more well-known than us. So nothing <laughs> I can do about that. Um, so, but you know, there is the whole elephant in the room assessment. So every company of a thousand employees or my a thousand employees or more do use personality assessments. And they've probably gone through the really painful process of getting certified, of doing programs and workshops and all that heavy investment over the last 10 years. A lot of them probably feel scared to give that up because that's what they put so much of their self-worth into. For those people, I say, hey, go with the next generation product, stay with those. But for a fraction of the price, instead of just using those products for 5 or 10% of your employees, also use our tool for the other 95% of employees. So we have many companies that use predictive index for, let's say, 500 execs. And then for the other 5,000 people, they use our tool. Okay. So, you know, assessment tools in general aren't going to disappear. But if you find value in what they do, then you'll find infinite, incredible value in what we do. Because what we do, what they do, we do faster and can scale to all employees. And it's used every day and every week and in every meeting. Um, and so that's a big differentiator where there's value on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. None of the other assessment tools have that value. Um, I think General collaboration tools. I mean, there is the big line item budget of we bought Microsoft Teams, we bought Cisco WebEx, we bought Slack. These are all collaboration tools. So people might think, oh, why should I listen to Juan Betancourt and Human Intelligence? We already have a collaboration tool. We are a plugin that sits on top of all of your tools. So for those people who are thinking we already checked that box, no, we make your tools better. So just like the BASF commercial from the 80s, 
They didn't make products you use, they made them better. We don't make the collaboration platforms you use and that you've already invested a lot of money in. We just make them better and more useful so you get your return on your investment. Because what's the purpose of getting a Microsoft Teams meeting if everyone's pissed off at each other and the meeting's not effective? Our tool goes right into that during the meeting and if, and it guarantees that that meeting is more effective. So it's really kind of getting the most out of your existing tools. That's something else that none of our competing products can do. So I've heard you say a few times now, um, companies with a thousand employees, tell us who is the perfect fit for your solution? Companies that have knowledge workers that are working cross-functionally Okay, that are distributed in either multiple offices or multiple floors. We basically don't see everybody and don't know everybody. Our, and, and, you know, companies that invest in their people that already understand the importance of talent development, where they want their people to grow, where they want teams to collaborate better, um, where they have a head of talent management or head of talent development, right? Um, those are the bullseye. So, lot, you know, professional services, right? We, we've already signed Accenture. Um, we have meetings with Booz Allen and Hamilton, uh, with BCG and several other consulting firms. Uh, healthcare, we, we've signed United Healthcare, signed Baptist Health, ChenMed. Uh, these are all companies that are fast growing and quite successful. Um, software engineers, imagine all the software engineers in distributed countries all over the world. Um, so that's a bullseye, financial services, um, Fortune 50, Fortune 500 that believe in diversity, equity, and inclusion and belonging because our tool also helps everyone understand each other better, reduce the friction in work styles and how people like to collaborate. It actually changes the mindset so that people do become more open and more sensitive to race and gender as well. Um, if they're already taking into account anyone in the way they work, they'll also be more open to uh, gender and race differences. Um, so those are kind of like the, the companies. You, you, company less than 500, because we charge on an annual basis, less value because under 500, there's less cross-functional work. There's less complexity where you need um, different people from different perspectives and you're probably not growing and hiring a lot. Um, so where there's a lot of change in, in the, the membership of the, the composition of teams is where we play a lot. Got you. And what impact have you seen organizations that work with human intelligence experience? Yeah, so we 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 measure lots of different things. So some of the the impact that we've measured, um, in terms of email communication efficiency, we've improved it by thirty four percent. In meeting productivity, twenty seven percent, and improvement in the team's overall productivity, twenty two percent. So those are some of the measured results that we've had from our tool. Uh, some adoption numbers we get. Um, about 80% of people take the assessment, right? To get onboarded with a couple more emails, it gets up to 89%. So usually 89% are using the tool. Um, we see over the course of a quarter, it stabilizes at about 80% of people are using our tool and they use it every month, an average of 15 to 20 times. So it's kind of a usage like LinkedIn, where if you're at a big company, you're not going to LinkedIn for every single email you write. But if there's an email where there's three VPs and you're going to ask them for approval for something, <laughs> and you've never met them, 
you will go to LinkedIn to see their profile, to get some kind of angle on how, you know, any connection. Oh, you know someone I know. Well, imagine understanding how they like to receive information. Same if you're presenting in a meeting on Microsoft Teams, you're going to a meeting on Zoom and there's a calendar invite and there's two people in that meeting and one's a decision maker. You're going to go to LinkedIn to see their info. You'll click that human intelligence button in that case. So people use LinkedIn 15 to 20 times a month for their own internal employees. Uh, that's about the same usage you'll see with our tool as well. And for the same reason. Okay. And that makes sense because obviously if, if I'm working with Sandy on a daily basis, after I kind of learn her personality, I don't need to check it every time. Right. Yeah. And, th- but and if, that's why, yeah, that's why small totally companies under sense. 400 people, you're basically working with the same seven or eight people every day and you never, yeah. so we, we, our tool's not as powerful for, I mean, for the first month it is, but then why would they pay us a monthly fee per, you know, we, we charge between $1 and $5 per person per month. So the smaller okay. the company, the more expensive that becomes. Totally makes sense. So what is the future vision for human intelligence? Yeah. Future vision is this generative AI, at least in the short term. Um, you don't even have to read tips. Like imagine you just write the way you want to write and boom, it changes when you push our button, gets rewritten based on the engineering prompting we've done on the filter of how that person likes to receive information. It's akin to uh, when you go to when you go to a foreign country now, there are these ear pods you can put in your ears. When you go to that foreign country, the way you do it now is um, you take your translation book, right? Or you have them talking <laughs> to the, a, into, a, into your computer, into your phone and it translates it right there. And then you read it. Well, that's the way it is today for both language when you travel, but now with travel, you put an ear pod in and when the person speaks to you in Chinese in Beijing, you're hearing English. I know it sounds crazy. There were millions of people who learned Chinese so that they could go and communicate and become closer and more human connection with Chinese people from the US, let's say. Now, no one needs to learn Chinese. It sounds kind of lazy and very millennial and Gen Z, but now you just go to China, put this thing in and it just translates for you. That is going to happen with all communication and collaboration at companies. There will be tools like ours where, yes, I would love for everyone to become more emotionally intelligent and for everyone to learn about Deanna Shimoda and everyone to learn about Juan Bettencourt, everybody to learn. But at the end of the day, that's a lot of learning. And what if we live in a world where you just write the way you like to write and it gets rewritten and sent out the way the person likes to receive it. You go into a meeting, instead of you guessing how to run the meeting, you're getting tips that are saying, hey, Juan, uh, uh, Shannon hasn't spoken and she's very shy. You might want to call on her because she hasn't spoken and everybody else has spoken an average of three times. So tips that make every meeting leader a better meeting leader makes every meeting more inclusive. Um, So all of this real time without even having to think um, is the future where it will, like you said, reduce friction and make every meeting better. Um, make every uh, team more agile, make every team perform better, make every company more agile. Uh, Accenture calls our tool the healthy team toolkit because every team has a sense of well-being and un- everybody understands each other, just like an individual needs well-being. So does a team. And that's one of the reasons why Accenture is looking to resell our platform. They believe every team in the world needs a product like this. So yes, the future is um, LinkedIn is not just what you've done, but it's also who you are. So this is a tool that everyone will have on the back of the resume, right? Everybody should know each other's behaviors, motors, and work styles. Somebody says, Deanna, who are you? You don't read your LinkedIn. 
you're more likely to say, I'm somebody who's very direct, um, who's very open and transparent. You're talking about how you are and how you like to resonate with others, not here are my statistics and my graduate degree and my my yeah. my, my you know, <laughs> GPA. Today, the world's too focused on the LinkedIn content. What lets people succeed and be happy at work and in life is the psychology of how we can all connect. And so this will be a standard product on LinkedIn around the world. So today our product is only for internal because we actually have to have people take it. We're working on a product called MyGuru for college and career. It's a free app. You can go to the app store or Android and download it. Um, no marketing. We're getting 500 downloads a day. It basically gives the assessment to young high school kids and college kids to help them with their careers and help them understand themselves and social dynamics and their friends. We believe, and we give that out for free, everyone should already have, I mean, it's part of a person's right, a self-awareness tool that everybody gets. And that tool, then all that data is going to flow between companies. So right now it's only internal, but down the road, you'll be able to use this tool for any interaction with anybody at any company. Um, uh, you know, imagine on dating sites one day, you, you find someone you're really interested in, instead of guessing on how to write, it tells you how to land the best uh, to communicate <laughs> with them. Because what, what do you do when you get married? And when you date someone, you learn how that person likes to connect and I, I, I've been married five years and boy, do I, have I changed how I present information and connect to my wife because I want to optimize that relationship. It's not called, it's not some people I've heard someone say, oh, well, that's fake. No, it's called adapting to others. So you and everyone coming to the middle, that's where relationships are. We do it in our personal life. This tool will allow everyone to do it in their professional life. Imagine going to a doctor's office, they pull up your, your insurance information and then it pulls up your personality and it matches with the one nurse who's going to connect with you. If you're a chatterbox, they'll give you the nurse that's a chatterbox, okay? If you don't want to connect with a nurse and you don't want to speak, they'll bring you somebody who's very reflective and not speak. Same with an Uber driver. You'll be able to pick Uber drivers based on who you connect with. Um, insurance companies will be able to figure out who's higher risk because of their personality. You know, personalization of learning, all of the LMS systems, will be better at companies because now you don't just train everybody at company one way. Some people like group learning. Some people like self-study. Some people like lots of information. Some people like cliff notes, right? A tool like ours allows everyone to understand who learns better and how. Um, same with schools and universities. They'll be able to accept students that will succeed in this. So instead of just applying to schools that look good on your resume, you'll apply to schools where other people learn like you and that you'll fit in and you'll be successful reducing attrition rates and turnover rates. So imagine if psychometrics become part of the everyday flow in everyday life, everyone will find jobs and happiness much faster. Everyone will be learned faster and better and everybody will have better relationships, be less firings, less divorces, everybody much more happy. I call our, our, our HR tool, the happiness app. I mean, it, it really does lead to ultimate happiness of employees uh, and, and employers because their companies outperform the competition that does not use our tool. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it, it the application sound like it's pretty endless and it'll be so interesting to see over the next, you know, 10 to 20 years, how all of this plays out. Uh, as we wrap up this episode, what final thoughts do you want to leave our audience with? In HR, technology is becoming key to success for every HR buyer out there. And in the past, HR could rely on a few vendors that they knew and brands that they knew. 
Today, there are so many best of breed, over 20,000 software companies in HR tech, okay? There are so many best of breed products that they might not ever have heard of. They should either hire someone to focus on going through all the options um, or just spend a lot more time themselves. But to just go with the big three, Workday, Success Factors, UK, would be the biggest disservice to your company because there are so many amazing technologies, including human intelligence, but many, many that are not human intelligence in so many realms that will make their companies better places to work and make their uh, more engaged employees and higher performing and save more money. And those companies often don't have $100 million in funding, but they're there and their products work and they're scalable. And it doesn't have to be a big software company and it can scale to 5,000 employees, okay? Software is scalable. You don't have to have the same number of employees in a software vendor to say, oh, we, we're this big so we can service you. Um, we're a small company. We're servicing a 700,000 person company, 30,000 person company. Um, so just give the smaller best of breed HR tech vendors a chance. I mean, there's a reason why Accenture picked us. There's a reason why Coca-Cola did. There's a reason why, you know, HRO today called us the most uh, innovative culture and team collaboration product out there. Um, that's that's probably the biggest advice uh, I'd give is, you know, there's some great technology, but it just takes time to find them. Well said, and I totally agree. Juan Betancourt, thanks for sharing your time with us on the HR Tech Spotlight. For those listening, don't forget to check out Human Intelligence's website to learn more about them. And we hope you'll tune in again to learn about more innovative HR technology companies and the stories behind them in our future episodes. Thanks so much, Deanna. Thanks for listening to this episode of the HR Tech Spotlight Podcast where we showcase some of the best up-and-coming HR technology options in the market. If you are an HR tech company leader who would like to be considered for a guest spot on this program, please contact me via growthmodemarketing.com or reach out to me, Deanna Shimoda, on LinkedIn. And if you found this show informative, subscribe, connect with us on social media, and leave a review. This is Deanna with Growth Mode Marketing signing off. Thanks for listening. We hope you'll tune in again next time.